thank all of our adult volunteers this morning who serve in those ministries. Uh, if you're here and you serve on Wednesday nights with us, would you please stand? We just want to give you a big round of applause today and thank you for your investment in our kids. Come on, don't be shy. I know there's a bunch of you here this morning. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It is, uh, it's just, Wednesday nights are one of my favorite times of the week here at Lakes Free. It's just so awesome to come walk through the building, see the energy and the enthusiasm, uh, steal sermon points from Jolene Meyer. Uh, she gives me some great material as she shares with the kids, and uh, it's just, uh, it's a great time. So if you're ever around on a Wednesday night for one of our adult classes, uh, take a look at the halls and see the joy, and it's just a blast. In fact, that's why we call it Blast. It's a great night. Well, hey, I want to uh, welcome those of you who are watching online this morning. We have a, we have a bunch of viewers that watch weekly uh, on our live stream. Uh, we live stream our service on uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter. And, uh, and so today we know we have people literally all over the world watching uh, this morning. So we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. I want to welcome especially our missionaries who are watching. Uh, your church loves you. We're behind you 100%. You're in our prayers. And, uh, and so we're just glad that you can participate with us even from afar. And I also want to uh, welcome, we have a Lakes Free South Campus now. Did you know that? Uh, we do. Meeting down in a, a city called Delonica, Georgia. So I want to welcome our Lakes Free South Campus. Uh, I just discovered this past week that my in-laws, who recently moved down to Georgia, they've been inviting their neighbors to come and watch our church service uh, in their living room. So they've had like up to a dozen people there. And I was like, man, this is the, this is the easiest church plan I've ever heard of. So uh, so anyway, we want to welcome all of you watching down in Georgia today, and uh, we're glad you're with us. Well, this morning, friends, we're going to continue our series in the book of Philippians. And this has been a powerful series so far, even in the few short weeks that we've been in this, uh, this great letter. The Apostle Paul finds himself imprisoned in Rome. And yet here, as we've seen in recent weeks, we find a man who is abounding with joy. And friends, this morning, what if I told you that it was possible to go through life with a spirit of joy in all situations? Would you be interested in that? A spirit of joy, no matter your circumstances, no matter your trials, whether you're in the highs of life or the, or the lows, God can give you a spirit of joy in all situations. I, I want us to think for a moment about the Apostle Paul. This was a man who discovered the secret to a relentless spirit of joy. I mean, friends, just think about all that Paul had gone through in his service to Christ. I mean, I don't know if there was ever anyone who went through the degrees of trials that Paul experienced. Paul faced tremendous opposition for his goal of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's adversary said to Paul, Paul, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, Paul, we're going to beat you and we're going to flog you. And Paul said, praise the Lord. I'll be able to identify with the sufferings of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they said, oh, Paul, well, all right, smart guy. Well, well, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, Paul, we're going to throw you in jail. And in fact, Paul, we're going to chain you to a guard and we're going to rotate the guard every few hours. What do you think about that, Paul? And Paul said, that'd be great. I'll be able to win two or three of them to the Lord every day. Okay, wise guy. Well, Paul, if you don't stop preaching 
the gospel, we're going to kill you. And as we're going to see today, Paul responded, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Friends, what do you do with a guy like that? What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. Anything you want. Because when you've discovered the secret to true joy in life, as Paul had discovered, it doesn't matter what the world does to you. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. It doesn't matter the the valleys that we have to walk through. God can give us a relentless joy in all circumstances. And Paul had discovered that relentless joy. He had an indomitable spirit. He was abounding with joy. And we're going to see that once again this morning as we continue on in the book of Philippians. Today we're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. I want to read this passage for us this morning, and then we're going to look at, from this passage, the basis for Paul's joy. What exactly had Paul discovered that allowed him to go through life with this relentless spirit, this abounding joy in all circumstances? If you like, you can read in your own Bibles or follow along on the screens behind me. But we're in Philippians 1, 18 through 26. Paul picks up here in his letter. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, friends, Paul had been imprisoned in Rome. A two-year imprisonment. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And yet here he says he has determined to rejoice. Because this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. What a great passage. Paul in prison, chained to a Roman guard, not knowing what's going to happen to him. Here is a man abounding with joy, confident, hopeful, a relentless spirit of praise and joy. What was the secret of Paul's joy, friends? How can we too share in this powerful experience of joy no matter what we face in our lives? Well, Paul gives us three secrets to his joy here in our passage this morning. Paul had discovered three things. Number one, Paul had discovered the security of sovereignty. Paul knew and trusted that his life was in God's hands. A firm conviction that his life was in God's hands. God was in control of every moment of every day. And nothing happened to Paul that was outside of God's sovereign will and plan for him. 
You know, when Paul was in prison there in Rome, I was thinking this week, I wonder if Paul slept well at night. You know, friends, I bet Paul slept like a baby. Even in chains, even with a Roman guard in his room with him, even with the possibility of a death sentence hanging over his head. I bet Paul slept sound every evening. And here in these opening verses, we find a man who is at totally, totally at peace with his circumstances because he had an unwavering trust in the sovereignty of God, God's providential care over his life. And it was this unwavering trust in God's sovereignty that gave Paul the confidence to affirm two key truths that we find here in these opening verses of our passage this morning. The first truth that Paul affirms is that he believed God would deliver him from this trial. He says in verse 18 and 19, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul was confident in the sovereignty of God, confident that God would deliver him in the midst of this trial. How did he know that? He couldn't know that, but he had confidence, confidence that God would deliver him. The word deliver that Paul uses here in the Greek is soterian. It's the word that is used in regards to salvation. Typically, it refers to our spiritual salvation, our reconciliation with God, our, our, our future eternal inheritance. But here, Paul speaks of his deliverance, his salvation in regards to both his physical life or his ultimate eternal life with God. Paul doesn't know the outcome, but he's confident that God will deliver him, whether in life or in death. And notice, friends, Paul's confidence in deliverance was rooted in three realities that we find in verse 19. Through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Here we find three things that that were the basis of Paul's confidence there in prison. The church was praying for him. Paul knew that his friends in Philippi and other believers around the world were praying for him. And those prayers buoyed Paul, lifted him up, supported him in the midst of his trials. Friends, don't ever discount the power of prayer to encourage a brother or sister in Christ going through difficult times in their lives. Here Paul says it was the prayers of his friends that lifted him and encouraged him and gave him confidence in his ultimate deliverance. He then says it's it's through your prayers, but also through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, a synonym for the Holy Spirit used in the New Testament. It was the power of the Spirit that was at work in him that gave him confidence. Remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Tells the, tells the church in Ephesus, he says, I pray that you would know the incomparable power of God for those of us who believe in reference to the Holy Spirit. He speaks of this incomparable power that we possess. The, the word power he uses there is dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. Paul says that we have this dynamic, explosive power within us, the presence of God alive within us. And it was that Holy Spirit power that gave him confidence that he would be delivered, whether in life or in death. 
But then thirdly, notice, friends, it was the nourishment of God's word that sustained him. Paul said, through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Friends, that last line there is a direct quote from the book of Job, chapter 13, verse 16. When Paul says, this will turn out for my deliverance, he was quoting Job. The Old Testament Job who went through trials and turmoil and adversity. And Job declared, no matter what happens, this will turn out for my deliverance. See, Paul was so grounded in the word of God that in the midst of his trials, it was the word that encouraged his heart and sustained him. And so we see here Paul's confidence in deliverance rooted in three things. The prayers of his brothers and sisters in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him, the word of God sustaining him. Friends, do you want to know the security of God's sovereignty in your life? These are the keys. This is not rocket science. Do you want to be secure in God's sovereign plan in your life? Over your life? Here's what you need to do. You need to have brothers and sisters in your life praying for you. You need to be confident in the power of the Spirit of God within you. And you need to have your life rooted in God's Word so that promises like Job 13, 6, 16 come to mind for you too when you're sitting in the prison cells of life sustaining you and encouraging you. But secondly, now we see here in these opening verses, Paul's unwavering trust in God's sovereignty. It was also based in a second truth. Paul believed that Christ would be honored through him. Regardless of what happened, life or death, Christ is going to be honored. The gospel is going to be victorious and Christ would be glorified. He says in verse 20, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Friends, that wasn't even in question for Paul. Why? Because he knew God was sovereign. And so Paul knew whether I live or whether I die, God is going to be honored and Christ will be glorified through my life in, in life and service to the Lord or in death. Christ is going to be glorified. Why? Because God is sovereign. And Jesus said that nothing will stand against his church. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. The gospel will be victorious. And Paul had great confidence in those realities. I love this word, eager expectation, he says. It's my eager expectation and hope. In the Greek, the words eager expectation literally mean to stretch the neck forward. Have you ever strained ahead to to look out into the distance? Or maybe you're, I I, I was thinking this week of my kids on the airplane, you know, and kind of straining around the window of the airplane to, to look ahead and see what's out in the distance. That's the image that Paul's conveying here. It's my eager expectation and hope. I'm, I'm straining my neck forward to see the future. Why? Because he was so confident and so excited about Christ's ultimate victory, whether he lived or died. He was straining his neck in anticipation and the hope that he would not be ashamed. The word hope here is not at all like we typically use the word hope in English. 
We, we typically speak of hope like, well, I hope that comes to pass, right? I, I hope the Vikings win the football game. I, I, I hope I get an A on my math test this week. I, I hope I don't have a cavity when I go to the dentist tomorrow, right? We, we use hope in that regards. Paul is using hope more in the terms of a confidence. So he's straining his neck forward, confidently looking to the future. Why? Because he knows in God's sovereign plan, Christ is going to win. The gospel will advance. Christ will be glorified regardless of what happens. Paul affirmed this very same truth in a different way in, in his letter to the church in Rome. Romans 8.28, Paul says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So whether they beat me or flog me or put me in prison or, you know what, if they put my head on the chopping block, in God's sovereign wisdom, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Friends, this was the confidence that Paul had, a confidence that came from the security of God's sovereignty. Last week, I introduced you to a pastor, a Nigerian pastor, Lawan Ndimi. Lawan Ndimi on January 3rd was kidnapped by Boko Haram. Two days later, he was forced to make a hostage video where he asked the Nigerian government to, to pay a ransom to free him, but he used his hostage video to share his testimony and his confidence in God's sovereignty. He declared, Jesus lives. And so because of that, I have confidence whether I live or die. Friends, today our brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria are mourning because this past Monday, Pastor Andimi's life was taken by Boko Haram. He died a hero of the faith. He died a champion of the gospel. But he died secure in the sovereignty of God. Whether I live or whether I die, Christ will be glorified. He shared that confidence, the confidence of the Apostle Paul. And today, his testimony is inspiring millions of Christians around the world to live more boldly for Jesus Christ. Friends, the gospel will always be victorious, and Christ will always be glorified. The security of sovereignty, that was the first key Paul had discovered to relentless joy. The, the second secret Paul had discovered for experiencing this, this abounding joy in his life is, is not only did he know the security of God's sovereignty, but he also knew the secret of success. What is the secret of success, friends? It's interesting. I was at a bookstore just last night, and I was looking through the bookshelves, and, and there were all kinds of books, dozens of books in the self-help section talking about the secret of success, how you can be successful in life, how you can, how you can experience joy in life and peace in life and security and satisfaction. Everybody claims to know the secret of success. And, friends, you can spend hundreds of dollars reading all those self-help books or you can go to the author of life and read for free his secret to success. See, God's word tells us the real secret to success. It's what Paul himself discovered. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the secret to success right there. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul starts out he, he, in this two-part secret of success, to live as Christ. In the Greek, that, that literally reads, to live Christ. 
What's the secret of success? To live Christ. Now, what exactly does this mean? Well, well, Paul, in some of his other writings, gives us a hint into what it means to live is Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul tells us that in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. We are no longer slaves to our fallen sin nature. We have a righteousness, a standing in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Paul goes on in Galatians 2.20. He says, for me, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul says, not I, but Christ. What does it mean to, to live as Christ? It means I'm no longer in charge, but Christ is the one who lives in me. Christ becomes our motivating priority. He becomes our focus. I found a great quote this week, Count Nicholas Zinzendorf. He was the 18th century father of modern-day missions. Great story. Look him up online sometime. But Nicholas Zinzendorf, he says, I have but one enthusiasm. It is he. Only he. Friends, what a great example for us. Can you agree with Count Zinzendorf? I have but one enthusiasm, one motivation. It is he, only he. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He declares that we are ambassadors of Christ. God has given us the task of representing his interests in this world as his ambassadors. That's what an ambassador does. They represent the interests of their home country. And so we represent Christ's interests in this world. Friends, what is Christ interested in? He's interested in people. He loves people. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so he has sent us out as his ambassadors to convey his love for the world. That's our mission. That's our calling. Friends, this is what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to to live as Christ? it's, It's about living with Christ at the center with his priorities as our priorities. Jesus first, everything else second. And this is the real secret of success. Jesus affirmed the same truth in his own teachings. Remember what Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 6.33. He says, you want to know the secret to success? Here it is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And then all these things will be added unto you. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look at, put me first. Put me first. I'm the center. I'm the top. I'm your focus. I'm the goal. I'm your priority. I I, I like to envision this like a pyramid of priorities. Our our life, we our lives are like a pyramid, and we plug in the things in our lives that are important to us at various levels, right? Jesus says, look at, I want to be the top. I'm the pinnacle. I'm the focal point. And then everything else comes below me. Family, job, church, hobbies, money, all that stuff comes below me. Jesus first. And he says that's the secret to success. Paul got that. Do you understand that? See, the problem with so many of us is we often invert that pyramid. We get that pyramid upside down. We, we, we have Jesus at the bottom when we put everything else in p- 
priority above Jesus. We put work above Jesus and school above Jesus and, and money and hobbies and friends and relations. We put everything else above Jesus. And then all of a sudden, why do we think we feel the weight of life crushing us? And we end up in despair and despondency because our lives were never meant to be lived that way. Paul says the secret of success is to live Christ because Christ is life. Paul understood nothing else compares to the all-surpassing joy of knowing Jesus and living for his glory. One of the great privileges in my life was the opportunity about 12 years ago to go to Cuba. My dad, brother, and I went and ministered in Cuba for a month training Cuban pastors in that communist nation. Very interesting. It's, it's a rare thing to meet a pastor in Cuba who hasn't spent some time in prison. I'll tell you something, friends, that will humble you real quick. The man who was our translator during our time in Cuba was a Cuban man named David. Tremendous brother in the Lord. David was a Ph.D. English professor at the University of Havana. He became a follower of Jesus. When he started sharing his faith with his colleagues and students there at the university, the communist government came and said to David, David, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to strip you of your job, your title. We're going to kick you out of the university. And David said, I'm sorry, I, I can't stop talking about Jesus. And so the communists took his position away. Well, David kept sharing Jesus, and the communists came to his house one day, and they said, David, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to confiscate your house and all your possessions and all your property, and you and your family are going to be destitute. David and his wife looked at each other, and they said, no, we will never stop talking about Jesus. And so the communists took his home and all their possessions everything they had. You know, friends, when you think about that, how would you respond in David's situation? Is Jesus worth losing everything to you? You know, Jesus once said, whoever loses his life shall find it. My friend David wouldn't trade his life with Jesus for anything. He knew the secret to success. Paul goes on in this two-part secret of success. He says not only to live is Christ, but he says to die is gain. In the Greek, again, to die, gain. To live Christ, to die, gain. How is death gain? In fact, Paul goes on, he says it's far better. How is death far better? Well, Jesus in Luke 23, 43 says that when we die, we are with him in paradise, free from the stain of sin in this fallen world, free of sickness, disease, death, we'll be in paradise. Hebrews 12, 22 and 23 says that our spirits in heaven will be made perfect, free from the burden of this fallen nature that we possess here in this world. Friends, do you have loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord? Their spirits today have been made perfect. Just imagine that. What a great joy. 
The book of Revelations, chapter 1, chapter 5, tells us that we will see and know and worship Jesus Christ in all his glory. What an amazing day that will be, friends. Man, we have some great worship here on Sunday mornings just with the the invisible presence of the Holy Spirit among us. Imagine that day when we will stand before our Savior and see him in all his glory. What an incredible worship that worship service that's going to be. And so Paul says to die is gain for all of these reasons. But these two realities now leave Paul with this dilemma, right? To live as Christ, but to die is gain. And so here in verses 22 and 24, Paul lets us in on his personal struggle over this dilemma, right? He goes on, he says, look at, I don't know what I'm going to choose. If I stay in the flesh, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ because that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. What a problem he's got here, right? What a dilemma. Friends, this is only a dilemma for the person who puts Jesus first in their life. Right? I mean, look at Jesus is my all. He's my priority. He's my focus. He's number one. And so, you know what? If I keep living, that's amazing. I can keep serving the Lord. I can keep loving the people he's put in my life. What a blessing. What a joy. And if I die, if I die, well, that's far better because I get to go and be in the presence of the Lord, perfected in paradise with Jesus. I, I, I don't know what to choose. It's like a tug of war. I'm hard pressed between the two, Paul says. Friends, maybe you've struggled with the same dilemma in your own life. Maybe when facing the impending death of a loved one. You know you had to say goodbye. And, and, and you're rejoicing over that knowledge that they're soon going to be in glory. And yet you're struggling with the desire for them to remain to continue in this world for the sake of those they love and their ongoing service to the Lord. We know that dilemma, don't we? I was thinking this week about our dear friend Harold Lovas who passed away at Thanksgiving time. One of the founding members of our church. Ushered here for years and years, served our church in many capacities. This was a man who understood that to live is Christ. He fell off a ladder in September, suffered severe internal injuries, and man, he fought. He fought to live. Why? Because he loved his wife, and he loved his friends here at church, and he knew that to live was to go on serving Jesus. But when that day came and the inevitable became clear and the choice was made to take him off his ventilator, friends, I remember visiting Harold the night before he passed away. And you, friends, cannot believe the abounding spirit of joy and confidence he had that night. Knowing in just 12 short hours they were going to take the tube out of him that was keeping him alive. And yet he wrote in his notebook for me, he said, Pastor, I'm going home. He had an overwhelming confidence. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Friends, it's never easy, even for the believer, to to lose someone we love. But as Christians, we know the secret to real success 
To live is Christ. To die is gain. Praise the Lord for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thirdly, this morning, Paul reveals the the secret to his joy. Paul had discovered the satisfaction of selflessness. The satisfaction of selflessness. Paul goes on in verses 25 and 26, and he gives us his answer to his inner wrestling over this dilemma. He says, look at convinced of this. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now, again, Paul didn't know what the outcome was. But as he's wrestling internally with, with living for Christ or going home to be with Jesus, Paul says, look, at, at the end of the day, I'm convinced that my choice is I want to stay and I want to remain with you. Why? For your joy and your ongoing growth in the Lord. See, for Paul, he was willing to sacrifice his longing, his desire. What he himself said was far better, going home to be with the Lord for the sake of his loved ones to stay and remain among them, to help them in their ongoing growth in the Lord. Friends, what a great model and message for us today who live in such an individualistic, consumeristic, me-first culture. Paul was willing to sacrifice his wants and desires for the sake of his friends, his brothers and sisters in Christ whom he loved. Very interesting, this past week I saw a story in the St. Paul Pioneer Press. In fact, it made national headlines. Some of you may have seen this on the news. A church in Cottage Grove, Minnesota, recently told their seniors, 60 and older, they're encouraging them to leave the church. They're asking them to leave the church for a period of 18 months and and go and worship elsewhere because they want to relaunch this church for young people. They want to attract younger people to this church. And so sorry, if you're 60 and older, we're going we're to ask you to leave because we're trying to attract young families to our church. I thought about this this week. And I had to wonder what the Apostle Paul would say about this situation. Friends, I think Paul would say, your seniors aren't people to send away. They're brothers and sisters to serve. They're not people to replace. They're family to rejoice in. How backwards. Friends, the church is the family of God. We love each other. We serve each other. We sacrifice our wants and desires for the well-being and edification of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Seniors here, I'm going to tell you, you are a vital part of our church community. You are loved here at Lakes Free. (laughs) Friends, the church is the family of God. We might not always agree on everything. We might not always like the music styles or the way Pastor Jason dresses on a Sunday morning, right? But at the end of the day, we are here for the edification of one another, to love one another, to serve one another. Now, friends, this isn't just a needed reminder for us as a church, but we need to let Paul's example of selfless service confront us personally as well. 
We need to ask ourselves this morning, has Christ so captivated my heart that I'm willing to sacrifice my wants and desires for the sake of those in my life? Have I embraced selfless service as the greatest satisfaction I could possess in life? How is God calling me to selflessly serve my spouse or or my children or my brothers and sisters in Christ? Friends, does, does, as Paul declared, what is more necessary for them trump what is better for you? You see, a major aspect of living for Christ is really living for Christ for others, loving others, serving others. And friends, I'll tell you, you'll never know true joy in this life until, like Paul, you have embraced this selfless sacrifice. That's when you're going to experience real satisfaction and real joy, living and loving like Jesus. Friends, this morning, I want to ask you, do you share Paul's relentless spirit of joy in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your hardships, no matter what you might face? Do you you share this abounding joy? See, the good news is, is we all can if we'll embrace the secrets to joy that Paul had discovered. Resting in the security of God's sovereignty knowing the real secret of success to live as Christ and to die, to die as gain. And while God has me here, I'm going to live and enjoy the satisfaction of selfless service, loving my brothers and sisters, pointing them to Jesus, serving them as the hands and feet of Christ, all to the glory of God. Friends, there's no greater joy than living for Jesus. This is why Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain, to know Jesus is everything, and to God be the glory. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Once again, for the Apostle Paul and these just powerful words here in the book of Philippians. We thank you for his encouragement to us today of of how we too can know this relentless abounding joy that he possessed, Lord. And God, I thank you that, that you gave Paul this period of imprisonment in his life so that he could discover the secret of true joy and then, and then share this wisdom with us for our benefit. Lord, it's not always easy walking through the valleys of life, going through the hardships and trials that so often face us. But I pray, God, that we would be able to embrace Paul's perspective and rest in the security of your sovereignty. And Lord, I pray that as we go through life with that perspective, that we would also live for Christ, knowing the real secret to success. And that that whether we live or die, it's all for you and your glory, Lord. Give us great joy and confidence in that. And Heavenly Father, with whatever time we have, may we know the joy and satisfaction of selfless service of those that you have put in our lives, our husbands, our wives, our kids, our church family, our neighbors. Lord, may others see Jesus through us as we live and serve them with Christ-like love. And in all of these things, Lord, may we know the great joy that is found in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.